0: You're dead to me. That's essentially what the younger son said to his father. You're dead to me. Can you imagine uh, what it would be like to have not just a stranger, but somebody that you know and love say those words to you? It would break your heart, wouldn't it? You've probably heard the story. That the prod- We call it this, the parable of the prodigal son. We, we assume that, that there was only one boy that kind of had issues. As we'll see further, there really were two sons. And you've probably heard the story. There, there were a father who had two boys. One was good, one was bad. And the younger son comes to his father, and he basically says to his dad, Listen, here's the deal. I want my inheritance, not when you die, but right now, today. Give it to me today. And uh, you may say, well, Matt, is that kind of out of the ordinary in that culture? And I would say, yeah, it was absolutely out of the ordinary. In fact, it's out of the ordinary in our culture. I mean, try that at brunch today. Go to your parents and say, hey, you know, mom, dad, I'd like my inheritance today. Or by the end of the week, if you can make that happen, that'd be great. My guess is your relationship with your parents is going to kind of take a bad turn at that point. Probably not going to go well at lunch either. But let's go back to the the prodigal son. So he comes to his father, and essentially what he's saying to his father is this. You're more valuable to me dead than you are alive. I want what you can give me. I don't want to be with you. In fact, it's it's going to say in a minute that he went to a far-off land with the idea that he just wanted to get as far away from his father as he possibly could. There's no reason to believe that the father abused him or did anything wrong. He just wanted to be out of there. So he he asked for his inheritance, he would have gotten about a third, the older brother would have gotten two-thirds, a double portion, that was what the culture did. So the older boy would have gotten two-thirds of the inheritance, the younger boy would have gotten a third. So he gets his inheritance, he packs his bags, and he heads to a far-off place. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Some of you have prodigal sons and daughters, don't you? you? you probably prayed for them this morning. You don't know where they're at spiritually. You maybe you don't even know where they're at physically. And you pray for them. You pray that they would have a change of heart and pray that something would change in their life. You pray that God would bring people in their lives. You just pray for them on a regular basis. But they seem far from you. That's how the father must have felt. I mean sure he you know they you know sure, the the son, the younger son leaving and going away, that that brought shame to the father. You know, they say that good news travels fast, bad news twice as fast. So the whole town, the whole community would have known about it. They would have known the shame of the father. And maybe some of those townspeople would have said, but at least he has the one good boy who's out in the fields working, who he hasn't done anything wrong. He didn't go off and, and take the inheritance. He didn't he didn't shame his father. He's there for his father. We'll, we'll come back to him in a minute. So he goes off. The younger son goes off. He takes his inheritance. He finds some friends. And he spends all that he has. It says the Bible, the Bible uses a number of terms to, to describe it, but basically just raucous, awful living. He just basically goes for it. He spends. And he, gets, he, he, he takes care of his friends. They live really bad way, in a bad way. They live bad lives. And before you know it, he is absolutely broke. And his friends aren't with him anymore. They're gone. They're gone. <laughs> you know, they, when he had the money, he was a friend. But when he was broke, uh, he wasn't. He was. Some of you may have friends like that, right? Don't look next to the person that came with you today. No, but we, we know we know what that's like, right? To have fair We call them fair-weather friends. Well, they were fair-weather friends. And they left, and he went to a bad place, and he, he, he lived his life hard, and he, he squandered his inheritance, and he had to get somewhere to get a job, and he, he finally found a job. A Jewish boy, imagine this Jewish boy, feeding unclean animals, pigs. That's what he did for his living. And it got so bad that he was... Lusting after the food that he was feeding to the pigs, it was like that doesn't look so bad. I think I'll try it. All right, I'm gonna tell you a story. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm just gonna do it anyways. So we have—I have a son who brought their dog to visit us, and they left this bag of—I guess they're dog biscuits. No, they are dog biscuits. And then they left, and they left their bag there. And I just saw them one day, didn't know what they were. And I picked them up, and I said, oh, it's a cracker. And I took a bite of it, and I said, this is a terribly bad-tasting cracker. And I said, what brand is it? And I'm going, this isn't a cracker, this is a dog biscuit. And, and, and the son comes to a place he's so bad off that he says, I will eat this horrible food. And then he remembers. It says in the scripture, he has this aha spiritual moment. Where he says, wait a minute. I could go back to my father. And he, 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 we the Bible calls this repentance. It's where you don't say, well, I, sorry I got caught. Sorry I'm in this mess. Sorry you got hurt. But essentially I'm not really repentant. I, I wish this hadn't happened. He repents, though. He basically says, you know what? I shamed my father. I, 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 I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my father. I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going I'm to go, and I'm going to be one of his hired men. And somehow or another, maybe I can pay him back for all the damage and all the hurt I did, because I broke his heart. I absolutely broke his heart. So he has this... This moment of repentance. He does a 180. And he and, and on the way back to back to his uh, homeland, on the way back to his father's piece of property, he rehearses the speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Uh, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I just ask that you'll take me as a hired hand and I will try to pay you back for the rest of my life. And he kind of goes over and over and over. And he's got the words down and he finally comes to the property where his dad owns. And he steps on the property. Before he can take two or three steps on the property, his dad's arms are around him. He's giving him a, a bear hug. And, and, and he gets the first sentence out. Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. Make And before he can get, even get the words out, the father says, get him some sandals. Get him a ring. Give him a robe. Kill the fatted calves, the calf. We're going to have a party. He is so happy to have his son back. He's so happy. He probably prayed day after day after day for this day. And he saw his son as far off and he he gives him this big hug and he welcomes him back. And everybody is rejoicing. Everybody is rejoicing. Now, this is where pastors usually quit and say, okay, This parable tells us about the love of God. He loves us, and we just need to come back, and we're the prodigal sons, and when we come back, he'll love. And that's absolutely true, and it is taught in this parable. And most of the time, this is where pastors end, because they run out of time, and we only have so much time. So you don't talk about the rest of the parable. But that's like stopping the movie before the conclusion, before the crescendo, before the whoa moment. And we're coming to the woe moment. So they're going and they're preparing a party. The the, the, the community is all, mean, good news travels fast. And they're all excited. The son has come back. He's lost, but he's found. And they're all excited. There's going to be a great party. The whole community is going to come. Everyone's going to celebrate. And the older son, who has faithfully been working on the field, comes close to the house. And he hears the commotion. And he asks one of the servants, what's all the hubbub? He doesn't use that term, but bear with me. And the servant says, your brother is back. And he is absolutely livid. Probably he's livid because he thinks he wants another dip. He wants more of my inheritance. Well, he ain't getting it. And he will not go into the party. He is absolutely not going to go in and his father comes out of the party, and he comes to his son. And he says, son, your brother has returned. And, and, and we don't have the, you know, you can imagine what the full conversation could have been in a situation like that. But essentially what the story tells us is that this, the, the, the brother is so angry with the father. And he's so angry with his brother that he doesn't want to have anything to do. But his father's words are interesting. Come to the party. Come to the party. Come to the party. And then the parable ends. And we don't know what he does. You say, why? Why does it end? I think it ends because Jesus is telling his parable and he's saying, Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And as we look at this parable, where are you? Who do you identify with? Maybe you identify with a younger son and you're, you're, you're kind of a rebel of the family and you kind of went your own way, sowed your oats, kind of made some bad choices in life. And maybe you're here and you think, I'm too far gone. God will never take me back. No, just as the father received the younger son back, he absolutely will receive you back. Oh, but you may say, well, I'm the good boy. I don't rock the boat. I follow the rules. I follow the regulations. I do what the Father tells me to do. And so I should be good. But when things don't go my way, yeah, I get a little ticked off. It's not fair. And when life isn't fair, when the Father isn't fair, then I'm a little angry about that. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have this attitude, well, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. See, the younger son was, I'm not good enough. The older boy was, I'm absolutely good enough. I'm much better than him. So who are you? Who do you Who do you relate to? Well, what can we learn from this parable? Well, first, we identify with one of those two boys, don't we? And uh, the parable is, the surprise of the parable is, We thought that there was one lost son. But in reality, there were two lost sons. Both sons were lost. One was far away from the father geographically. The other one was right there with him, faithfully following the rules and doing what his father wanted him to do. He had other motives for why he was doing what he was doing. But he was right there. The town would have looked at the two boys and said, that guy, the son that ran away, he's the bad boy. The son that stayed is the good boy. And that's the way we do it today, isn't it? We look and we say, well, the outward appearance seems like he's the good boy and he's the bad boy. But in the parable, we find out both boys were lost. One, one boy realized it and understood it. The other boy, we don't know if you ever came to a place. The parable doesn't tell us. Well, so that's the first thing we identify. Secondly, we need to understand what this parable is telling us because there's something under the layer. And this is where Easter comes in. You may have been hearing this whole story. He says, You know, I heard that story before, but I have no idea what it could possibly do, have to do with Easter. Well, I want to read you the words of the father when he's talking to his older son. He's trying to plead with him. And he's saying to his son essentially, Come to the party. Join the celebration. Come on in. And this is what he says to his older son. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he is alive again he was lost and now he's found and what the father was saying to his older son is your brother was dead but now he lives he was lost but now he's found it's interesting the, son comes, the younger son comes to his father and says, you're dead to me. The father comes to the older brother, and the older brother says, my younger brother's dead to me. But in reality, both sons were dead to their father. They just didn't know it. In the end, both boys were spiritually dead to their father. And the point that we all have to understand is this, and it's really important that we grasp this. We are born physically alive but we are born spiritually dead. We are born physically alive, but we are born spiritually dead. Physically alive, spiritually dead. And most of us don't understand it. But when we become alive, when the resurrection power of Jesus Christ gives us life, enlivens us, gives us new life, and it's kind of like what Paul said to, uh, or what, uh, what Jesus said to Nicodemus, and he says to Nicodemus, who is a really good, decent, moral, religious teacher, and he comes to Jesus by night, and he knows the Old Testament. He knows the law. And he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how do I enter into my mother's womb? He, Nicodemus is saying, how can I be physically born again? And Jesus is saying, no, I'm talking about a spiritual birth. We are born physically but we are spiritually dead. We are born spiritually dead. And what, Peter, what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is, you need to have a spiritual rebirth. You need to come alive spiritually. And the resurrection of Jesus brings us alive spiritually. And what happened to the younger son was, he came alive spiritually. He came to understand who he was, what he had done against not only his father, but his father in heaven, and he repented. And he found life join the party. See, even though everyone is born physically alive, we are born physically dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ wakes us up, gives us life. It doesn't just give us life after we die, it gives us life here and now. Jesus said, I have come to give you life, and life more abundant. He's talking about the here and now, not the then and there. He's saying that I came to give your dead spirits, your dead souls, life. One of the problems of the Old Testament law was the spirit wasn't in it. And Jesus says, I'll give them new hearts. The, the prophets say, I'll give them a new heart. I'll make them spiritually alive so that they can hear me and they can get it. So, who are you today? Are you the younger brother, the rebel? You need to be born again. You may say, well, I'm too far gone. No, you're not. No one is too... As long as you have a pulse, as long as you have a breath, you can come to Jesus today. Secondly, you may be the older brother. And you say, well, I follow all the rules. I go to church. I believe in God. I, I, I do all these good things. And I'm saying, okay, good. That's great. I did that for 18 years of my life, and I was spiritually dead. But then God made me alive. The resurrection of Jesus... Quickened my soul. He gave me life. I'm a different person today than I was. Jesus wants to resurrect your life today. He gave you physical life. Now he wants to give you spiritual life. And it's only through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that you can get that life today. Because of the re- resurrection, we've become fully alive here and now and forever. I can't think of a better thing to do on Easter Sunday, 2018. Then come alive. You say, well, how do I do that, Matt? How do I come alive? How do I do do that? Paul tells us in Romans. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. and It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Have you done that before? Have you ever called upon the Lord? The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Easter is a time for life, new life. Easter is a time for a resurrection. Now, you all came in here, and you're all in different stages of spiritual, wherever you are spiritually with God. Some may be far from God. Some may be very close to God. Some may be, we're all over the place. My prayer for this weekend was this. That you would leave this place and you would be different people spiritually. Every last one of us. You wouldn't leave and say, Well well, that was a good service. One of the better Easter services that, that that Hope Church has done. No, 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 no. What's gonna happen in your heart today? That's really what this is all about. So all the planning with all that came down to. So we put these cards on the chair. Would you just take those out for a minute? There should be a pen in every other chair or so. And here's what I'm asking. I'm I'm wondering that in a crowd like this, that there may be some of you that you you basically have never had that spiritual rebirth, and you want to do that today. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand I'm going to pray a prayer, and it may be the, what you want to pray. And if you pray that prayer, and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, check the box and say, I committed my life to him today. I did that today. I prayed for him to, him to come into my life today. Now, if you want help us to help you, put your name and your phone number on here, and we'll connect with you, and we'll sit down with you and talk with you about how you can take those next steps, whatever those are. Or you can meet with somebody that you came with, a family member, or a friend, or somebody like that. But do something today. Now you may say, you know what? I give my life to Christ, but you know I don't want your I don't I don't want your help. Okay, fine. Just would you just throw it in there so we can know that God is working in your life? We'll pray for that person who checked the box and didn't put their name on it because God knows your name and I don't have to know it. You may be here and um, you say, well, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, Matt. Um, well, then I ask you: Have you taken that first step of obedience, baptism? Um, well, you know, man, I I don't think baptism is necessary. What are you, Bible scholar? You know, you know the Bible. What it teaches about baptism—something that I don't know, because last time I checked, the Bible says that baptism is the first step of a believer. That John baptized Jesus. That baptism is something that God had called the church to do. It seems to me that that it's pretty important. And you read the book of Acts, and everybody's getting baptized left and right. It's the first step of your uh, outward sign of your inward faith. And if you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. So you could say, I don't think it's necessary, and I don't think it's important. That's like saying, is it important to say to your wife, I love you. Well, if you don't think so, call me about marriage counseling, because you probably are in the middle of it and need it. Um, I'm not trying to be cute here. I'm just, if you've never been baptized, we have classes and you'll see more about that. It may be that you're afraid you're, you're nervous about it. Come to the class. Just put your name on it. Put your phone number on it. We'll call you. We're not going to call you 10 times. We'll call you once or twice. And if you don't return the call, if you don't need, you know, you want to find your way there, don't put your name on it. Don't care. Um, frankly, this is between you and God. It's not, I'm just a middleman, and I'm going to get out of the way of that very quickly here. You may be here today, and the, the last thing that we like to challenge people with is on days like this is this. When you shoot a rocket in the sky, sometimes you have to do course corrections. Apparently, there's a space station that's going to fall on our heads today, so keep your eyes up and get ready to duck. Um, but that being said, the Christian life is like this. Sometimes you get off course. And you may say, my life is off course. I've, I've got to get back on course, and we can help you with that. And if you would like help, check the last box, put your name, put your phone number, and we'll sit down with you and talk to you about how you can get back on track. Okay? So that's the deal. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pray, and then you're going to fill that card out. The We're going to take our offering And I'm more concerned that you put this in the offering than if you put any money in. I really don't care. God will take care of that. He has, He will. People who love the church and get that will give and you are doing a great job supporting the church. So I'm not worried about that. I'm more concerned about what God is going to do in your heart and life this weekend than anything else. I want this to be kind of one of those stakes in the ground moments of your life where God either makes you alive he gives you a, 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 reaffirms your faith or he course corrects your life because we need the prodigals, both the ones that are far off and the ones that are right next to the Father, today to say, Father, I want to be in the party. I want to join the party. I want to be there. I don't want to stand outside angry and mad. and, and I want to be part of the party. The Father says to you today, come to the party. So in a moment we're going to take our offering, fill the card out, drop it in there, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And Maybe you want to give your life to Christ. And I'm just going to pray a prayer and maybe the words reflect you. If you want to pray them silently or something like that, you go ahead and do that. But let me pray with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings us to life. Thank you for the way that you bring wandering children, sons and daughters, spiritually, who are far away from you. You bring them in through a spiritual rebirth. Thank you, Father, that you bring sons and daughters who are very close, but still far away, close to you, because of the resurrection. We pray that there will be spiritual births here today. Father, if there's anyone here who's never crossed that line of faith, they don't know how, Maybe their prayer that they need to pray is something like this. Dear Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner, and I realize that without you I have no hope. I'm like the thief on the cross, and I'm just looking to you today to help me take away my sin, give me new life, and I want to begin a journey with you. I don't know what that means, but I'm in. You are in for me on the cross. You are all in for me. I'm in for you. I don't know what this means, but I want to walk with you. Hey Father, if they prayed that prayer, I pray that they would let somebody else know that they called upon the Lord today for salvation, not unlike the thief on the cross. For those, Father, who are contemplating baptism, we pray that they would take that step boldly. For those who need a course correction, Father, we pray that you work in their lives. Most of all, Father, we pray that we leave this place with change, renewed, revigorated, enlivened hearts because of the resurrection of Jesus. Father, the invitation you give to us today is come to the party and find life. May everyone in this room join the party today, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name.